0: Hey, everyone before we jump in i just want to warn you that today's episode contains content and stories that may be alarming to some listeners so please check the show notes for more detailed descriptions thanks so much
1: coming up on man enough one day a kid invited me to eat lunch with him and started asking like what i like to do and at, at that time i had already done a couple of like guest spots on nickelodeon and so i told him that i act and that i had done those things And he was like, oh, I didn't know they let cripples on that show. And I remember that was kind of the first time I really saw my limp as something to be ashamed of.
0: We think when we're younger, man enough means being big, strong, tall, protect the girl from the monster that comes out of the bushes, being able to lift the car off of her in case it falls down. All stuff I've never done one time. Right. Being man enough, what does that mean?
1: It's really manly
0: to mess up, admit you're wrong, and then grow. I couldn't accept that I was evil, so maybe I'm broken, but those broken things could be corrected. Intimacy between a father and a son is me just wanting to like put my head in your lap. I love you, son. You haven't called me a benevolent sexist, but my experience is women are better.
2: Even if it's a positive, it's still not equality. I don't blame men for that. I just blame the system.
0: This is Man Enough. Hey, Liz.
2: Hey, Jamie. Welcome to Men
0: Enough. I'm glad to be back with you and us talking about what we love to do and um, what inspires us in our work, and our yeah. spiritual and personal lives. I was really yeah. honored... That my wife, we did that episode with my wife, and
2: oh, um, I love that, so
0: powerful. And um, it's been um, really incredible to just see what's come from that, and creating yeah. and re. I mean, I'm always inspired, but even more inspired um, to continue doing the work that we do and to reach hearts. And uh, and today we get a chance to do that even more, don't we?
2: Yes, Jordan uh, Ross is joining us today on set in quotation marks because we're all in different locations. Isn't technology amazing? Um, Jordan Ross, we're really, really excited to have him on. We've been trying to get him on for a long time. Um, He's an actor and disability rights activist with cerebral palsy from Arlington, Texas. He's most known for his role in Dallas Jenkins, The Chosen. Uh, He's also a podcast uh, host like ourselves. Um, He is highlighting his battle, um, accepting and embracing His differences and helping others do the same. The podcast is called "What's Your Limp." I love the name. I love. I listened to a bunch of episodes this morning. It's um, really, really a great podcast. And the whole idea—what we're going to go deep into this—but like, what's your limp? Meaning, like, what's your the the flaw that society has decided you know is your is is your downfall, and and how are you embracing it and using it as your superpower? So we're so excited to have you. Welcome, Jordan, to Men Enough.
1: Hey, Jordan. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm so honored to be here.
2: Yeah, we um I feel like we we have so much synergy um and uh, alignment with with the kinds of things that we that we care about. And you just have a a really powerful story.
0: Uh, we normally start our podcast with asking like a personal question, um, like when is the last time that you didn't feel enough?
1: Right. It's tricky because you know I think all the time you know that there there are moments throughout. The day or throughout my week, where that doubt creeps in or those insecurities creep in, Um, on the I'm on set, uh, not right now, but I'm about to go to set where uh, you know some of my castmates and good friends this off season and between seasons have gotten incredibly ripped and they've been working out like crazy, and I find that kind of creeping in. Like whenever I'm with them, I'm like, oh man, like I should be doing that. Like, why? Why am I not putting in that kind of effort? But then I, I have to catch myself and be like, I'm happy for them, and I'm I'm happy for that. But it's like it's not that's not a requirement. So yeah, there's that. And then as a father, you know, there are times where I and as a husband, where you handle a situation in a way that you wish you hadn't, or you'll you'll get frustrated over something that you shouldn't be frustrated over. So there's mm-hmm. there's all of that. But I think what I'm I'm proud of is that i i'm now at a place where i'm able to acknowledge that and and realize that in the moment and i i have a lot more grace for myself than than i used to in those moments you're listening to the mad enough podcast we'll be right back all right welcome
0: back to the mad enough podcast
2: i want to talk about the chosen this um amazing character that you play like this is the first time, really, that there's a character that has a limp that, and and that it wasn't written in the script, right? That you were disabled. Like, tell us, walk us through how you even got that role, because it's, as we know, yeah. Hollywood is still uh, ableist. The world is still ableist. Uh, Hollywood is no different. So there, there's uh, a lack of representation of disability on screen, but you've yeah. you've really made, um, uh, you know, uh, paved the road. So so tell us about it.
1: Well, yeah, it, it was something, you know, growing up um, as a, an actor and especially once I went out to L.A. as a teenager, that's when I started to be told by casting directors to, you know, try it without the limp or tone the limp down or lose the limp. Um, wow. And that was something. i that- sorry,
0: can I just interrupt you? Someone would tell you to lose the limp of the very thing that you could not <laughs> Yes. Not That's- Yes. Um,
1: wow. And it was something, you know, I would wear a lift in my shoe and I still do, um, you know, just to be more comfortable. But it became such a uh, an issue for me internally where every audition I went into, I felt I was more focused on not limping than I was on the actual material and, and servicing the story and the character. Um, and it it was detrimental to my performance. and. I remember, you know, auditions where the casting director would look down as I walked into the room and then I was just checked out. I was like I'm not getting this one and uh. um but then the chosen came along and I hadn't booked anything professionally in like 5 years. I had started a family. I had two kids and another one on the way and I was, you know, working at an acting school just trying to like make ends meet. Um, and just feeling really unfulfilled as an artist. And I, you know, I always say, I felt like I was given a a gift and a passion for acting, but I felt like I was given a curse in my disabilities that would prevent me from ever realizing, um, that, that potential. And I got this audition and I almost declined it because I had a busy day and I hadn't booked in five years. So I thought this would just be more of the same. Um, but I, thankfully went to the audition and got the call back. And then I got a call a couple of weeks after that. And we shot the first four episodes, which I wasn't in a whole lot. Um, And the director Dallas Jenkins said, you'll be around a lot more in the next four, Um, which I was, those had already been written and I was in those a lot more. And then in between season one and two, he had asked me if I would be okay with him using my disability as part of the character. Um, And I said yes, but I was, I was terrified initially, um, Mm -hmm. because I, you know, I knew that now they would be shining a spotlight on the thing that I hated most about myself. Um, and we, we made it part of the story and, uh, it's just evolved since then. And it's been the most, you know, cathartic experience getting to express many of my own, um, experiences and, and insecurities through the character of, of little James. You know, especially in a show that's a you know, it, it resonates with a, a very strong Christian audience. Um, the relationship between faith and healing, especially in that world, is really complicated and and um has caused a lot of damage to people in the disabled community. Uh you know, the idea that you're not praying hard enough or that you uh don't have enough faith or whatever it is, or the the idea that I even need healing, uh, to be like the only reason I have insecurities is because of how other people have made me feel. Um, Mm. so, uh, it's been really cool kind of getting to start that conversation within that, that, uh, you know, community.
2: Wow. I mean, I have so many follow-ups, uh, because I think what Dallas Jenkins, the director did is very different from, probably any other director that you you probably had dealt with before that right in the way that uh, first of all that your your disability was not a a barrier to you getting the role Um, and then even asking you like can I make this part of your character I think is also rare um, that it's not like yeah assumed or or again I think non-disabled people really commodify uh, people with disability stories and very often those stories are for the benefit of the non-disabled viewer. They're not for the benefit of the disabled person's um, story and, and experience. And so I'm curious though, because it sounds like it was this um, really powerful experience for you to spotlight it and and, and to fully embrace it. And so what was the like what what did it change in your real life right not the 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 pretend life that you were playing yeah. um on 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 screen to yeah to to fully love yourself in that way
1: i mean it changed so much uh i <clears throat> had never really been very vocal uh, especially publicly uh, about my insecurities and how i truly felt about myself um i you know, still to this day, even I'll walk past a mirror or a reflective surface and I kind of cringe seeing myself walk. And then I have to remind myself, like, what are you doing? Um, because, you know, if I saw someone else that had the exact same walk as me, I wouldn't think twice about it. But yeah. um, so there's that kind of stuff that I just never really talked about. I never told anyone what I was feeling. And I'm, I'm typically a really optimistic, happy person. And, and um, I would. Uh, people just kind of assumed that, that I didn't have any of those struggles, but um, you know, I was suicidal as a teenager. I was getting beat up in school. I was just really depressed and um, I, I didn't want to burden anyone else with that. I felt like it would be burdening others by talking about it. Um, I didn't want my mom to be hurt, um, you know, hearing what I was going through. Uh, But then I found by playing little James and expressing those same, doubts and, and the feelings of like not being good enough or not being, uh, you know, worthy or, uh, you know, strong enough or all of these things that I've, I comparing myself to others by doing that as little James, it felt, um, liberating. And, uh, it, it gave me the courage to do that in my personal life and to start my own podcast where I do that. And Mm -hmm. it showed me that the more I was willing to open up and talk about my struggles the it allowed other people to have the confidence to do it as well. And it created more meaningful relationships in my own life, where we, I was able to get deeper with people. And as an actor, you know, it's something I try to lead with now. Um When I'm very uh, aggressive in my pursuit of uh, working with, you know, filmmakers and, and people that I admire, and I say i know this is you know reaching out and throwing my hat in the ring for your project maybe a little unorthodox but um i'm just doing anything i can to give myself a leg up pun intended um so it's uh it's something that like i i address the elephant in the room now instead of it being this thing that like people notice at some whenever i'm on set or in a casting office and they aren't sure what's going on and they feel like oh is this going to be a liability like what's what's, um you know, what's going on with him. Like I, I've been cut out of commercials because it was too noticeable and and things like that. So I think the industry as a whole is shifting. But uh, in my approach, I think it's helped people not think about it as much. Um, and there are opportunities like in The Chosen where it can be incorporated into the story and and be really powerful. But then there's other things I've done recently where, you know, you may see my limp, but it's not even addressed. It's just people have limps, people have differences. So it's changed so many areas of my life. Wow. Thanks for sharing all of that. Of course. You're listening to the
0: mad enough podcast. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to the mad enough podcast. I have a question. Is there something that comes with this as a man that you may not or haven't felt enough because the rest of the world is telling you oftentimes that you're not enough growing up, or at least at one point did.
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, I grew up in, in the South and Texas, everyone played football and sports and I, you know, because of my physical disabilities also have really bad asthma. I wasn't able to ever do that, which is kind of what led me to theater. I like to think I would have found it regardless. Um, but, uh, that was kind of the thing that uh, I wasn't able to do the, the active stuff that the other kids were doing. So I, I started acting and, um, So that aspect of it was like, you know, I definitely got picked on for that kind of stuff. It started, uh, it was my first year at a public school in ninth grade. Um, And I wasn't really, before that I just went to like smaller private schools. And uh, so this new school had way more kids than I had ever experienced at school. And they were very, um, I, I just couldn't find my click. I couldn't find where I fit in. I wasn't having any luck. And then one day a kid... Invite immediate lunch with him and his friends and started asking like what I like to do. And at, at that time, I had already done a couple of like guest spots on Nickelodeon and things like that. And uh, so I told him that I act and that I had done those things. And he was like, Oh, I didn't know they let cripples on that show. And that's when I realized like, Oh, he doesn't want to be my friend. He's, you know, just picking on me. And I remember that was kind of the first time. I really saw my limp as a, a something to be ashamed of and something that uh, is, uh, you know, th- to be embarrassed by. And uh, then that same group would continue making fun of me in the hall or picking on me. And then it started to escalate to, you know, my right foot kind of drags. So I'm. Re- it's really easy to trip me. So they would put their foot under my right foot and trip me or throw their bag at it. Um, And it just escalated. It got worse where I I ended up eating lunch between the vending machines because there's a little crack there and I could be hidden and see people coming where masculinity comes into play. It's like one of those things, you know, I grew up with a a dad who's, he was a Marine, a cop, a lawyer, and now he's a politician, like just these very authoritative figures. Um, And I love my dad, but it's definitely, it was that kind of approach of like, you know, dry it up. Uh, you know, don't cry, like dry those tears, like that kind of thing where I always felt shame for that. So I was experiencing all of these things, but I didn't know how to talk to anyone about it. I didn't feel like it was okay to talk to anyone about it or to cry. I had to be tough. And that was a obstacle I had to overcome as an actor. There was a scene in season two of the chosen where it was the first time I had to cry on camera. And it was something that I remember sitting there on set and being like, I wanted to. I was willing, but there was just subconsciously there was this wall, this or this block there that um, I had to just kind of push through, and, and we got there. But um, and once I got there, now it's been so much easier. Like I, I did it, and I was like, okay, cool. I, I'm able to do that. I figured it out.
2: I feel like that's a thing I hear a lot of men talk about. That it's like they, they haven't cried for so long. Like I remember having this ex-boyfriend that was like the last time I cried, I was like seven when my dad forgot me in this camping ground. And like, he vividly remembered this, this like horrible wow. thing happening. And he was like, I realized that crying didn't help. Like it, it, it didn't bring him back. So I never cried ever again. And then once he was able to like break it in and cry for the first time as as sort of an adult, then he was able to do it. Um so yeah. I, I love that story. I, I'm wondering if we can like really focus in on friendships because it seems like you know, the flip side of bullying um is is friendship, right? And and sort yeah. of connection. And one of the really fascinating things that you you talk about is is how you would form a, a friendship with another boy. And then there would be a cute girl walking by and then they would bully, uh, you in front of the girl. So it was almost like it wasn't natural, right? It wasn't, cause I think there's this perception that like, of course boys are going to bully. Of course boys are more vicious, but they were vicious as a performance of masculinity in order to impress the girls, which I don't even think girls, I mean, I was not impressed by bullying. I definitely, um, yeah, right. I, uh, d- don't think it helped them in any respect, but can you speak about that? Cause I think that's a really, um, sort of interesting example and also heartbreaking example of, of, of the way that it shows up.
1: Yeah, it it was, um, eventually I did make friends in school and it was the football players. Uh, and they were, they would still bully me, but it was like in a big brother type of way. Um, they still crossed some lines, but it was, um, I, at least I had protection at that point, um, Mm. from the other bullies. So it was, it was bearable bullying um, but I, I became friends with the football players.
2: That's interesting that you became friends with the football players that like yeah. you wouldn't expect, right? But uh, it's exactly. maybe their masculinity, they felt so, you know, already at the top of the food chain that they could, I don't know. I, do, did you ever I think about that?
1: Yeah, did it's interesting. Like,
2: like
1: I'm not sure, I'm not sure why, you know, they they befriended me. I, I haven't really thought about the yeah. the psychology behind it as much, but they they were like, there was a few that like one-on-one it was great and we'd make each other laugh. But then in a group, even without girls around, if it was just the guys, it would get back to like, you know, them, there was, uh, you know, other kids in school. Like if there was a girl that that had a physical disability or was in a wheelchair, they would be like, Oh, there's your girlfriend or things like that because we both have a disability and like things they they would, you know, make little jabs. But then especially, if there was a girl that they liked that came up they they would really it was like this weird switch where they would feel the need to pick on me in front of them since it was hard for me to be emotional especially in front of men um i I would seek out these these friendships with with uh women and it was something that it you know they were much more willing to listen and to look past what i perceived as flaws but yeah it, it was an interesting dynamic the the need that a lot of the guys had to to make fun in front of girls.
2: Even you said in front of girls or even when they're in front of other boys, it seems like yeah. it's a performance there as as well. Would they then, after doing something horrible or bullying you in front of the girl, then they would be nice to you afterwards? Or like, that yeah. must have been confusing too, the the back and forth. You never it know was. what you're going to get.
1: Yeah, and and there was never... Uh, you know any addressing it or anything and I'm a very non-confrontational person so I I never you know brought it up or anything like that either. So they would make fun and then right after they'd be like, hey you want to go, you know, to Whataburger? And it was, you know, just back to normal. So it was mm-hmm. something that uh mm-hmm. yeah people say like, oh yeah guys will fight and then get over it really quick. But it's like, no, I think they're they just push it down and, and bury it. You know, they they don't yeah. talk about it. They don't talk about the conflict that it took me a while to, and I still, I, I struggle with that. You know, if, if I'm feeling, if I ever have, you know, my feelings hurt over something or feel like uh, something needs to be addressed, it's, it's something that, you know, it's, it's hard for me to do that. Even in my marriage, there are times where like, I'll, I'll be have my feelings hurt by the wording of something that my wife says. And then um, we'll like, we, we, I'll just try to hide it or push it down and then, Mm -hmm. Later on, I'm like, okay, I'm over it. I, I'm We're not going to talk about it. But then it'll come up in like an argument a week later. I'm like, mm. I should have brought it up then. How long have you been married? Let's see. This will be nine years this year. Nine. I'm in my yeah. ninth year. Oh, wow. Congrats. You had mentioned earlier,
0: um, you use the term disability when referring to yourself. Is that, a, is that a comfortable term to be used? I know for everyone it's different, but from your perspective that's a respectful term.
1: Yeah, for myself, it it doesn't bother me. Often, if I have someone on my podcast, if they have some uh, physical um, malady, I will sometimes refer as like differently abled just to be safe. I know that there are some people that prefer that. But with me, it's something that um, it doesn't bother me. I can do pretty much anything that anyone else can do. It just looks a little different. Uh, Mm. I can't. Bend my back hardly. I have a metal rod going almost down my entire spine. Um, So I've, and then I've metal in my right hip. So I have very limited flexibility uh, on my hip and back. Uh, I can't tie my right shoe. um, So I have to have like, if I'm out in public with a friend or my wife, I have to have them tie my shoe for me. So I just look like, You know, this jerk that's making people tell my shoe, but I consider that, you know, part of, of, you know, having a disability. So it doesn't bother me, um, that terminology, but, um, but I, I, I try to be aware when, when talking to other people. Thank you for that.
2: Yeah. And I think it's about not using th- those words as negatives, right? Like saying like, yeah. this is disabling or cri- crippling, right? Right. Like, yeah, yeah. Um And even not just a person, but we'll say like this, cr- I- I- you know, tax uh, system is crippling corporations. Like I- even that is actually like an... A, a oh my God, that's right. so hard for
0: me to wrap my head around. I appreciate it. That, that, those are yeah. things. Yeah. No, I mean, I like, love- again,
2: it's like, there are so many, we've done this with so many words, right? That now would be unthinkable to use. Um, yeah. And so I think these adjustments are are really normal. And that's why these conversations are, are really important. Um, I'm curious, I know you're married. And I feel like we only have like we have so many married people, but for our single viewers and potentially, you know, single male disabled viewers, um, what is it like dating uh, with a disability? Because I know a lot of my friends, you know, collect horror stories of, uh, you know, share. When do you share your disability? They've, you know, on dating apps right. and whatnot now, um, you know, it happened to a friend of mine recently where she didn't say it because, you know, whatever, and then shows up and then, you know, the guy left after two minutes. And it was just like, what, you know, sort of the way you describe some of these auditions where, you know, um, you're, you're about to be, you know, rejected the, you know, right off the bat. Yeah. So I'm just wondering, you know, and particularly I think with, um, masculinity, you know, being disabled, uh, as a woman and dating men is almost easier than being disabled, uh, man and dating women because being disabled, um, uh, hmm. is can be more aligned with the ideals of femininity of needing help and Interesting, uh, yeah. You know, yeah, just like being supported right and for men being supported and being helped and asking for directions right? we know that those are big transgressions so i 'm just curious what what was it like for you, and do you have any advice uh, yeah. for our viewers or Going in the lines done and dating in 2023.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting because I, um, well, I've been with my wife since I was 20. So um, most of the dating I did was as a teenager. Um, But it was, and even then it was like, I I wasn't someone, I didn't date a ton. I had a few girlfriends and went on a few dates, but I was kind of like the friend. I was the guy friend of, of all of the girls. Um, But with, that i i found that like it was rare that i really felt self-conscious about it with girlfriends most of the girlfriends i had were pretty um def- they they kind of would be defensive for me like if they saw someone look or um you know ever heard of anyone being ugly to me like they they would get kind of defensive and um it was something that uh I think I had a, a bigger problem with my height, honestly, uh, when it hey. came to dating, because it's like, you know, uh, there, especially in high school, it's like they wanted the tall, like football players. But um, my right. limp was, wasn't was really as much of an issue. I guess the advice I would give to anyone in the disabled community um, that is wanting to date is, you know, just be yourself. And, uh, you know, if someone's not going to date you because you have a limp or whatever your, you know, Specific limp is, um, if someone's not uh, interested in you because of that, then you know it's it's their loss, and um, yeah. you know there are people that that could care less about it. You
0: know what's interesting to me is uh, we oftentimes as men want to be man enough, whatever the hell that even means. But a lot of times we define that, and we think when we're younger, man enough means being big, strong, tall, protect the girl from the monster that comes out of the bushes. Um, being able to lift the car off of her in case it falls down. All stuff I've never done one time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they don't really mean anything to why we put pressure on ourselves that we're not man enough. Yeah. I'm not man enough because I'm not as big as Justin Baldoni. It's easy to not feel like, oh, I, I'm not, I'm not man enough if you stand next to him. But based on what, like, what does that mean? Man right. enough for what?
2: And even yeah. like, can I say something? Cause I feel like I'm a tall girl and even, woman, I woman. Feel, you can't,
0: you're not a tall girl. You're a tall woman.
2: Tall. Yeah. Hashtag. Yeah. I just feel like tall girls, like a whole, uh, oh, yeah, movement. But yes, like as a tall woman, I find that I'm open to connecting with men who are shorter, but they have like an issue with it. Honestly, more than I do. I feel right. like I'll, I'll get comments again, like, and it's like, our bodies wouldn't work or, you know, or, or again, I can tell they're, they're into me, but they're like, they're, I don't know, there's something that happens where they cancel themselves out of it. Um, yeah. And they feel again, emasculated
1: I, or something like, yeah, by, yeah. that's interesting. I, I never had that. I, I think, well, one, like most girls were taller than me in high school. And even now, like the, it's. Yeah. I'm, you know, 5'4", so there are, you know, people shorter than me. But um, I dated, like, I went on a few dates with someone uh, when I was a teenager that was uh, close to 5'11", and there was a big height difference, but that, you know, that had nothing to do, at least on my end, with, uh, you know, why it it didn't continue on. So, but it is interesting. I, I can see how that would be difficult as a tall woman that, you know, some guys might feel insecure in that that kind of dynamic
2: yeah but it's also high school is such a funny thing like you remember the show Pen 15 where just all of the 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 female characters are played by adult female characters and the boys are played (laughs) by teenage boys because that's how it actually feels like my first boyfriend when i was 16 had a head below me. Like we would take the escalator and then like I would go on, on the, on the low one so that for a brief moment we would see, be like the same height.
1: That's so funny.
2: I think it's visibility, right? Like with any of this, yeah. the, you know, you, you can't be what you can't see. And then if it's painted in a positive light, I think it creates opportunity for people to, yeah, see that for themselves. Yeah. I also love that you're like, my disability wasn't a big deal. Being short, like, like, <laughs> be, like that was harder. I also think that's like, yeah. that's so refreshing too, for people to hear, right? And, you know, earlier you talked about how embracing your disability fully meant that you connected more fully with other people, right? It's not just a better connection with yourself, but the people that you do end up surrounding yourself with, um, are the real ones. And mm-hmm. yeah, it makes kind of, all of that work, which I'm sure it was very hard, you know, for you to do. It's, it's hard for, you know, that's the kind of deep work, right? When you're like in the dark and you're like, all right, I got to build myself out and find the light. Um, that's where, you know, true connection is.
1: Yeah, exactly. Mm. You're
0: listening to the mad enough podcast. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to the mad enough podcast. Does it bother you at all or is there any sensitivity or do you wish some version, that when you have a conversation, it's not centered around your physicalness. Forgive me, I'm conscientious about saying the term, you know, disability. Sure. And I ask this because I know that I have a perspective in life that's unique because of my own experience as a black man, as a black man that was raised with a white mom, and yet every conversation I have and what I have to offer, I don't want people to just be like, well, he's the black guy in the room. So let's talk about those issues for you. Yeah. Is there any feeling about that other than, Hey, let's talk about masculinity and has nothing to do with whether my leg works the same as your leg.
1: Before I, I didn't want to talk about it before I would avoid, like if someone asked me, you know, why are you walking like that or whatever? I would, I would tell them. Um, but I, I, as soon as I was asked that question, I would just feel like a pit in my stomach because i was like oh they they saw the thing that i am most insecure about so um i used to not like it but now it's something that um every time i do it it's just kind of re- releasing the the power that it's held over me for all of these years and um yeah. you know i'm i'm like uh ad- addressing my my demons and and it, it really has helped me learn to love myself a little bit more the only time it's it's weird but even then i appreciate the opportunity to discuss it considering the show is in in the faith realm um i will have people come up to me and like you know want a picture uh for instance i had someone at the airport a couple months ago um, a young couple, they came up and got a picture, they were all excited and it was a great interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they said, so th- there's a scene in this last season where my character who's an apostle um, with a disability is is told by Jesus to go out and heal people. Um, he's been given the ability to heal. And my response is I, I follow him outside and I talk to him and I basically confront him and I'm saying you want me to heal people when you haven't healed me yet. Um, and it's the most emotional scene I've ever done as an actor. Um, it was, you know, my character's talking about like, I'm not as good as the other ones in the group. I'm not as capable of them Mm. as them. I'm not as worthy as them. Um, and it's, it was a really powerful scene and it's, you know, kind of the message that not everyone is healed in this life. And, uh, that you, it's important to find the beauty in your circumstances and to use it to your advantage. And, um i uh, i was very proud of that scene um and most people like a huge huge portion of the fan base watched it and were seeing themselves especially through the lenses like you know there's disabled christians or people and and other uh religions as well that were seeing themselves and uh for the first time feeling like it's okay to to have a disability um i don't need to that I don't need to be healed in that way. Um, And anyway, this couple came up and asked me, how do you feel about the scene you did with Jesus? And I was like, I loved it. You know, as someone with a disability, it it meant a lot. It was therapeutic and it's helped a lot of people. And I could tell they didn't like that answer. And uh, they were like, well, do you mind if we pray for you? And I I thought they meant like add me to their prayer list or something. And I was like, yeah, uh, sure. So they both, put their hands on me in the airport and started praying right there for my cerebral palsy to be taken away. um, And my scoliosis, which, you know, it was one of those things where considering, you know, the, the kind of echo chamber that they, they live in and what they've been taught. I um, wasn't angry with them. I, I like, they haven't been exposed to these other ideas or perspectives. So I just, you know, I told them like, I honestly don't, don't, I appreciate the, the thought Um, but I was like, and if you want to pray for me, pray for my career, for my family, for all of that stuff. But I was like, I really don't, I don't need physical healing. Um, and, uh, it's one of those things that, uh, those interactions, it's, it's not super common, but they do happen. And, Mm -hmm. uh, it can be a little uncomfortable. I've, I've had on multiple occasions, people putting hands on my leg or things without asking for consent. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, praying for, for me to be healed. So that's a little uncomfortable, but um, I still think it's a teaching opportunity.
2: I mean, your reaction is so compassionate and, and you know, I think beyond radical compassion where the fact that you don't feel, you know, angry um, in, in that moment is and and that you're able to understand where they're coming from is beautiful but i also think it's important to talk about how often this happens to disabled people and you know my friends were in wheelchairs right who have more visible um disabilities not more than you but 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 have but, yeah. you know more more visibility and and um in 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 terms of what their disability is um you know my friend said margo's like she has a route to go to her grocery store to avoid certain places where she knows that there are people will come up to her and prey on her and touch wow. her and have these inter- interactions with her. And I and I think that that is one of the biggest things, you know, I think we want, you know, the audience to 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 know and spread um, which is just that's just not an acceptable thing to do to anybody.
0: There's a understanding that you have. And forgive me if I'm wrong in this that for instance, my five and six year old, they saw this guy that walked by that was seven feet tall the other day, he was normal. They just don't normally see someone seven and they could not stop wondering how he was seven feet tall, you know? Because they're wondering at that time. Um, when do we lose that curiosity? Is it seven? Is it 10? Is it 15? So I think it'll always be there. If, if I go to a neighborhood that no one's seen a black person, they're going to look and they're going to like, Hey, what happened? It's never seen it before. So it does talk to maybe exposure, like in the more that we uh, have exposure to our, all of our diversity, it would lessen those questions, but isn't some of the questions, I guess what I'm getting to a reasonable question that if someone sees someone that they're not used to seeing, whether it be skin height, a walk, a limp, uh, you know, whatever it may be. Do you do you have a um, – is it okay for us to have compassion for the people who don't know anything other than that, and therefore the, the question is coming from that?
1: Yeah, I, I think that it's amazing to ask questions. I, I think that's how we learn. As long as your um, intent is to be educated and to listen, um, I think that there – I think that's great. You know, that same curiosity. I have three kids myself. They're almost eight, almost five. And, uh, my son will be three in a a couple of of weeks. Um, and they're the same way. And and it's something we get them like children's books that, um, there's, there's one called, uh, like me. That's all about, uh, kids Mm. with disabilities and and differences and the way that they go through the world but they're really, we're all the same. And, uh, you know, there's other books we have that just without really drawing a ton of attention to it, we'll just have a a character in the book with uh, same sex parents and, and, um, you know, biracial parents or a single parent household or things like that just to show all of the different types of families, different types of relationships. Um, And I love that. You know, I think that now there are books and shows that show that more. Um, Yeah. And like, I, I remember growing up and my sister had all like white Barbies and white dolls and like, there was no diversity in them. But now my daughters have, you know, dolls of all different skin colors and, and shades and different body types and, and different, like she has one of her favorite Barbies is a Barbie that's in a wheelchair. and, um, things like that, that I think is just so cool and it, it normalizes all of it. So now, I love that. um, if we're out somewhere and there's someone with a, a disability or, you know, different color skin or a same sex couple, it's just, that's just a human being. It's, it's not something that, um, and if she does have questions, we gladly answer them whenever kids ask me, especially, I love it. Um, even if, you know, kids may word it in a way that may not be as sensitive as, uh, you know, an adult would word it. Um, like, what's wrong with your leg or things like that? But uh, it's something that I I love that opportunity to, to educate them and teach them about a different body type.
2: You know, as much as yes, like, curiosity, just coming back to Jamie, Jamie and I disagree about everything. Um, so we always disagree about everything, <laughs> everything. And then there's a 10% that we um, really zero in on. But like, I agree that curiosity is a wonderful thing, right? And something that you want to encourage in children. But I think that those moments actually, Jamie, of like, what's wrong with her? Or like, if you see your kid, a kid staring at a person with a disability, um, you know, those are really important learning opportunities to to teach children that like, the more different someone is, the more you want to make them feel included.
1: Oh, 100%. Right? We agree with that. Unless the less that. you want we'll to agree. ask them
2: questions that, uh, and I know you know this, but I, no, I no, actually no, I think, and because we don't have any anti-ableist, um, you know, uh, curriculum in our schools, that teaching doesn't happen in, in, in schools and, and in our education system. And so it, it's kind of left to the home where, again, a lot of people are not equipped and, and don't have the tools. We don't publish disabled aid, um uh, writers, so we don't even have that many books, and and TV shows, right, and and all that stuff, and it's starting. So, so I think it's um, really great that people are, are are listening to you, Jordan, and understanding your perspective. And yeah, when your kid says something, or you interact with a person with a disability, you know, thinking about what would you do if it was Jordan, you know, and this amazing person that you've been listening, you know, to for the last hour who's multi-dimensional, right? And, and is so many things, um, in, including his, his disability. And so I, I, I hope that's helpful
1: to people. I hope so too. Asking questions and, and curiosity, you know, the reason I, I just wanted to add it onto my previous answer that, um, one reason it doesn't bother me and that I, I enjoy that is because, you know, I've, I've asked questions on things that I didn't understand and had people mm-hmm. educate me. And it's totally changed my perspective. I remember as a, as a kid and as a teenager, again, growing up in the South with a parent who's a police officer or brothers, who's a police officer. Mm-hmm. It was, and also being, uh, I may have a disability. So there are all these different levels of privilege that we have in society, but I'm still a white man. Um, right. and I have privilege because of that. Um, I may have a different, level because of my disability compared to some other like, so there's all, all, all of that. But um, I remember my my instinct based on my own experiences um, was whenever there was a, a, a police shooting or something like that, an unarmed black man or things like that. It was like, oh, well, you know, from what I'm being told around me, it's like, oh, he was resisting, he was running, things like that. And Mm -hmm. my experience, I had been, I was a horrible driver. I was reckless as a kid. I was, I did all sorts of stupid stuff and had a lot Mm -hmm. of interactions with the police. Um, and it it was never an issue. And I didn't really consider like that Mm -hmm. has a large part of that was my privilege. And then as I started to mature and get older and be more curious about it, I started to listen to what. People within the black community were expressing in regards to their own life experiences and their own perspectives, and it to- now it's like I'm I'm uh, as passionate about that as any other uh, yeah. movement. I firsthand have seen the benefits of asking questions with the intent of of learning and educating yourself right. and putting mm-hmm. yourself in the shoes of others. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I just I wanted to say that that. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm preaching that, the asking questions and stuff, because I know uh, how impactful it can truly be.
0: Jordan, it's been really sweet speaking to you and hearing a little bit of your heart.
2: Yeah, you're And,
0: and your professionalism and what you're doing and your challenges and your victories. And, uh, congratulations on nine years of coming up marriage and three children. That's definitely the most thing worth being celebrated, I think, is... Marriages that succeed and last because so many um, are not. And oftentimes it's due to us men not showing up in ways that we could be better um, ourselves. Not to say that women don't have work, but we certainly do. So I appreciate you being on with us and sharing. You do. Your heart. And with that, what do you think it means to be man enough?
1: I think what being man enough comes down to is just being Present and um, humbling yourself, being willing to learn and grow, and listen, uh, and removing that that pride that so many of us have struggled with, um, and uh, yeah, just opening yourself up to being wrong sometimes, and uh, to to working on yourself. I think that that is is um, what makes a not just a, a strong man, but a, a strong person. Beautiful. I love it.
2: I love that. Admitting to being wrong and working on it because you can't work on anything if you don't know what's wrong.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. wonderful. exactly.
2: Jordan, this That's is amazing. Right. Um, really rich conversation. So many different right, wide ranging topics and um, yeah, intersections that I think are very, very important to this show that we, we were able to delve in with you and um, thanks for being vulnerable, for sharing all of it. And um, of I, yeah, course. I know people will learn a lot from it.
1: Thank you both so much. I, I really had so much fun chatting with you both. Me as well.
0: Thank you, Jordan Ross. I love that you walk through the world and you no longer feel uncomfortable talking about your disability because you are an actor, a man, a husband and a father with a disability who should be championed and for the diversity that you offer the world. Um, so why would we ever want to not honor and, and why would you want to hide behind that? Why would Liz want to hide behind being a woman? Why would I hide about being who I am? All of us. Best that is thing. so, so um, I appreciate that, that you have found that balance in your life. And, um, so that so many others may find their balance as well.
1: Brother. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I feel the same about y'all. I really appreciate you both. Thank you, Jordan.
2: Bye. Enjoy. Thanks, Jordan.
1: Thank you everybody for joining
0: us um, and having this time with Jordan and Liz, for you being in the studio and I'm not there with you. If you are liking what you hear, what you've heard and what you will continue to hear, and you like the fact that we were nominated for two Webbies. <laughs> um, two baby. Um, follow us at manenough.com uh, podcast. And uh, Spotify and Apple TV. Apple TV? No, Apple Podcasts. All oh, the iTunes. Where are they? Sure. Find
2: We're on Apple TV. Let's manifest that.
0: Apple TV. Yeah, yeah, All yeah, the spots. Yeah. And if you want to see me and Liz um, debate more, um, come back to the next one. Until then, I'm Jamie Heath.
2: I'm Liz Blake.
0: And this is Man Enough. Man Enough. Thank you for listening to the Man Enough podcast, produced by Wayfair Studios and presented by Procter & Gamble in partnership with Cadence 13 and Odyssey Company, hosted by Justin Baldoni, Liz Plank, and me, Jamie Heath. If you like what you heard, please follow us and tune in weekly as we undefine masculinity and learn in real time. Justin Baldoni, Jamie Heath, and Tara Maholtra feinberg from Wayfair Studios, Mark Pritchard and Anna Southfeld from Procter & Gamble, and Chris Corcoran from Cadence 13 are our executive producers. Kayla Nicholson is our producer. Ashmi Elizabeth Dang is head of marketing. And Susie Landers O'Connell is our lead editor.
1: Thanks for listening.